and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary, and this week we're talking about Season 1, Episode 9, The Puppet Show. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't tell from that reaction, I am once again joined by Froggy, who is about as enthused for this episode as I was for Teacher's Pet. Oh, yeah, I think I would rather go back to hyenas and their creepy laughs over puppets. Aww. I mean, I would rather go back to the hyenas, but I love hyenas. Puppets don't bother me, though. Uh, They're just weird and creepy. It's that whole uncanny valley thing and regular dolls, not too bad, but just something about a ventriloquist dummy. So wait, if it's the uncanny valley thing, how do you do in wax museums? Um, they don't move and they don't talk. It's just the fact that their heads are moving and the eyes and the mouth. Like, there's It's just, I don't, I can't explain it. I can't. (laughs) How do you make it through Disney? Disney doesn't bother me. It's just weird puppets (laughs) with some dude with his hand stuck up his back. Muppets don't even bother me because at least they're cute. Okay, because it was the moving and the stuff and I was like, how do you, the animatronics. Yeah. uh, It's literally just like ventriloquist dummies. Yeah, it's literally just ventriloquist dummies. Yes. So I don't know if the, the hum is coming through on the microphone. Hopefully not. But if anybody wonders why it sounds like there's an alien invasion in the background it's because there is yes it is because uh (laughs) both where i live and where froggy lives are currently under attack by cicadas (laughs) the trees are screaming it sounds like ufos are landing hopefully not too much of that is coming through the windows but if you do hear this weird sound in the background that is that is what that is i'm gonna go out and scream with the cicadas later that'd probably be really good stress relief yeah yeah. <laughs> Anything about that. It's so gross outside today, though. It's like in the 90s. It's I'm disgusting. not about this life. I, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's hot. It's sticky. There's screaming bugs in the trees. It's just a good day to stay inside. Yes. Yes, it is. So as I said last week, I want to thank everyone who responded to our questions about the episode Angel. In looking through the various responses, it seems that people were split about 50-50 on whether they were taken completely by surprise by the reveal that Angel was a vampire or suspected it might be the case. I do want to, however, read a few, and these are all coming from my various Buffy groups on Facebook. So the first one is, I don't know, I thought it was obvious. (laughs) Saw it coming, but yelled, son of a bitch! (laughs) (laughs) Because I didn't want it to be true for Buffy's sake. That's a good one. I like that one. one. (laughs) My mom had already spoiled it for me, I think, but it still shocked me. I was very young, so I was just totally heartbroken. Yeah. Confused. Wait, what? Huh? What's going on? (laughs) I like that. I like that they put their thought process in there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I watched it when it aired. I was surprised, but I knew he was going to be a good guy. Little did I know what was waiting in season two. Oh, honey. Yep. Oh, season two. I mean, I both can't wait to get to season two and there's a lot of heartbreak coming. Yeah. In season two. Yeah, we're we're on the rewatch of season two with Mr. Froggy. And yeah, he's had some interesting things to say about it. It's fun watching it with somebody who hasn't seen it already. Oh, where are you guys? We are at What's My Line Part Two. Oh, so it's about to get real good. It's about to go down. Yeah. Yeah. Some of his questions from earlier in the season are going to be answered. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for him to experience the back half of season two. And to also see why I am the way I am. Yes, <laughs> very much so.
Okay, so The Puppet Show aired May 5th, 1997, still a Monday. So our synopsis is the star attractions for the school talent show include Buffy, Xander, Willow, a possessed puppet, (laughs) and an organ harvesting demon. Bum, bum, bum. Well, that kind of gives it away right there in the synopsis. Way to spoil the whole thing. Like, I mean, it doesn't tell you who the demon is, but it definitely solves the whole Sid mystery. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Because I know I said this in the beginning. I don't know how many of you have been listening to the beginning. I'm stealing all these synopsis from the TV Guide site, hoping that they're very close to what was published in TV Guide at the time of the original airing. So if, if this is the one that went out at the original airing, that is very, very spoilery. Yeah. I don't think I ever I don't think I ever read the TV Guide synopsis for stuff that I was actively watching. I think just because I didn't want to know anything. Oh, I remember stealing the TV guide from the paper and combing it to find the shows I watched. Mm -hmm. I also remember Jackie and I cutting out when they had like the full page ads. Oh yeah, no, I I recently found so many newspaper ads and magazine articles and stuff when my mom brought a bin and like all the stuff that I saved. I can't believe that I was that much of a pack rat. <laughs> I have a whole folder and it's the the picture that is on the Gmail account for The Watcher's Diaries. And I think it's the first picture on our Instagram, that collage that's on the front of a folder that Jackie made me. That yep. folder is just stuffed with newspaper articles and the TV guide advertisements and all this stuff that we had cut out and put in there. So I'll see which TV guide ones, TV advertisements I have. And when we get to those episodes, I'll I'll post them because they just some of them were fantastic. Oh yeah, they were the oh, the the 90s art and photo shoots and stuff for official publications. They were just so amazingly cheesy and delicious. They really really were, especially the CW ones. Oh, yeah. It didn't get better it didn't get better than WB and CW and whatever it oh, was yeah, back it in was, the day. It was WB back then. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and the the photo shoots that were like on the back lot with the neon sign in the background. Oh, I I miss the 90s WB. Oh, I miss the 90s. So much. So much. (laughs) So as you all know, my new favorite thing is looking up the international titles of the episode. Yep. I did it last week and here I am doing it again. I feel like eventually we're going to need like a nice stinger for Mary Butcher's other languages. (laughs) Because this one, this one I've got like a pretty lengthy list because so many of them were so good. They were. They were really good this time around. So the Finnish one is... Kalanuk, which is Puppets in Chains, and I just, I need that to be a band. <laughs> that's a band, that is a band name. That is, that's good. That right there. Someone needs to start one of those Nordic rock bands, <laughs> and the name needs to be Puppet in Chains. Someone do it. Something that would be on Eurovision. Oh, Eurovision. <laughs> I cannot go on a tangent about Eurovision. We will be here all day. <laughs> I know, I just had to mention it. <laughs> French is La Marionette, the puppet. Mm-hmm. German is Buffy Las Dames. Puppin Tanzen. <laughs> Buffy lets the puppets dance. Wow. Yeah, I love it. It makes no sense. It's fantastic. That's very that's that's very avant-garde. <laughs> it is very, very to go with what Snyder will say in the end. Yes. It's very, it's very avant-garde. Yeah. Hungarian is Demone Babu, the demonic puppet. 
Italian is Il Teatro del Burrettini, the puppet theater. Portuguese, now Brazilian Portuguese, because some of these do specify if it's a dialect that's in a certain part of the world. Um, as you'll see after the Portuguese with the Spanish, there are two different Spanish ones. So the Brazilian Portuguese is Ocho de Bonecos, which is the doll show. The Latin American Spanish is El Gino, El Gino, which is the puppet. And the Spanish from Spain is El Ventrilo. I know I should be able to pronounce this. I took Spanish in high school. That's how pathetic this is. El Ventriloco, the ventriloquist. I like that Portuguese one. The the doll show? The doll show. That that sounds like that's a stripper company. Yes. Puppet and Chains is definitely my favorite though. I like, yeah, Puppet and Chains. That's that's the clear winner this this time around. So y'all know what the title of this episode is going to be. I do yeah. like stealing the international one that I like the best. No, that's a great idea. No, I like that. So we have no previously on this week, just the typical Slayer spiel, right after which we find ourselves <laughs> backstage at the Sunnydale High Auditorium. Performers of all kinds are assembled, dancers, magicians, ventriloquists. As we take in the going-ons through the eyes of another being, a being who says they will be whole again, they will be new. Safe to say, this is probably our demon. The focus switches to the stage as we move away from the whole point of view thing into a more typical shot. Cordelia is up on the stage singing, and we shall put singing in air quotes. Oh, Cordy. The greatest love of all. As Giles looks on in horror, clearly he is reevaluating every life choice that led him to this moment. So, fun fact, though most famously known as a Whitney Houston song, The Greatest Love of All was originally written in 1976 for The Greatest, a film based on the life of former heavyweight champion Muhammad Ali. It was recorded in 1977, sung by George Benson, and included on the film's soundtrack. It became a hit. It then surged in popularity when Whitney recorded the song in 1984 for inclusion on her 1985 self-titled album. Only she dropped the the, making it simply greatest love of all. It remains to this day her third biggest hit in the United States. And it's so good. It is. It's such a great Uh, song. When she sings it, not when Cordelia sings it. Another little thing to point out is that when Cordy sings karaoke later in Angel, she will sing the same song. Yep. So I I like little, little throwbacks like that. Between Lorne, the Lorne, Lorne, I can't. Oh, no. <laughs> you will eventually, many moons from now. I know. Get <laughs> to Angel and talk about Lorne. Yeah. We all adore and love. Yes. So many good characters on that show. Giles tells Cordelia she's done enough for now. And when she says she hasn't gotten to the part with the sparklers... <laughs> Oh, dear God. (laughs) He comments that they should save that for the dress rehearsal. Annoyed, she moves offstage as a girl with a tuba moves on. Giles (laughs) is definitely regretting the turn of events that led him here. Oh, poor Giles. Which is when Buffy, Willow, and Xander enter, come to laugh at his misery. In fact, they tell Giles that they plan to take on his traditional role of watching and mocking and laughing. <laughs> a phrase I use quite often in my real life, actually. Yep, yep. Seems he got stuck running what Buffy calls the annual talentless show because their new principal, Willow Snyder, Ugh. thinks he needs more contact with the students. <laughs> Snyder doesn't really get the whole choosing a vocation that lets me surround myself with more books than people think. And hey, speaking of Snyder, there he is, coming down the center aisle just as the trio is looking to make their exit. He does not seem to appreciate their stance that school events are stupid and that authority figures are to be ridiculed. (laughs) Also, isn't about the fact they left school the previous afternoon, missing their afternoon classes. 
As punishment, he tells them that they will also participate in the talent show. Xander begs for detention instead, but Snyder isn't having it. Snooty <laughs> might have been all touchy-feely, but he was eaten. They're in <laughs> Snyder's world. I just like that. He's, he was eaten. They're in Snyder's world now, and he wants them to perform in the talent show. He's sure they'll come up with something wonderful for the school to watch. And mock. And mock. And, and laugh. <laughs> So, okay, I don't have this in my notes, but I just this just popped into my head as I was thinking about this. Snyder, for all that he is a, like, little troll man, his punishments always seem to involve getting involved with the school. Yeah, yeah, like, there is just, like... like there's a there's a dichotomy to him. Yeah, the, like, he is actually more complicated. I mean, I know we like to talk about how awful he is, but... Yeah, like his. Because there's this. And yeah. then it's cool hard he makes Buffy do parent teacher night. Exactly. Yeah. Halloween, he makes her volunteer. Yep. So it's never like just go to detention. It's like, no, no, you will get involved in the school community. Yeah. Yeah. So his, he's a, he has a very rough way of trying to get the kids more involved. Like Flutie was the touchy feely type that he just wanted to be your pal. But Snyder does seem like he wants the school to succeed and wants the kids to succeed. He's just not nice about it. Yeah, it's very, it's a very odd dichotomy to Snyder, and it's something I'm definitely going to keep an eye on. Yeah, now, now that, that I thought about it, yeah, now that you mention it, it is something that that is really interesting to think about beyond the fact that he does seem like a little troll man. Yeah, because then you get to the end of season two, and he takes like great pleasure in kicking Buffy out of school, but up to that point, he never suspended her. He right. we never even saw him give her detention. Yeah, he just always made her volunteer. That's very yeah. No, it's a very. But interesting- I also wonder how much of his stuff comes from higher. Right. Again, something that we'll get into. So we're definitely going to keep an eye on Snyder and his running of the school from here on out, because I think it's a lot more complicated than it originally appears. New segment, Snyder Watch. Snyder Watch, yes. He continues on his way and the three are left not happy. Giles, it should be noted, did seem at least amused during the the part of the conversation. He was so smug. Like... He might not get. He might not like Snyder and his methods, but boy, did he enjoy the Scooby Gang having to yeah, you know take part. If he's got to do the talent show, so do they. Oh, can we mention uh, who Snyder is played by? Well, yes. So let me do his introduction <laughs> from the script, and then okay. I will let you tell everyone who Snyder is. You can tell I'm excited about this. <laughs> yes. So in the original script, Snyder is introduced with the following description: In years in school past, he has ruled with unwavering confidence and was able, despite his size and appearance, to strike fear and respect into his students. But that was then, and this is Sunnydale. Ooh. All right, Froggy. So tell us, who is Principal Snyder? Okay, so Principal Snyder is played by the actor Armin Shimmerman, who most sci-fi fans will recognize from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, playing the Ferengi who ran Quark's bar on the station. Xander just says no as Buffy whimpers, collapsing in the seat next to Giles. <laughs> and Willow looks like she's about to be sick. This, of course, as we actually learned from the next episode, because Willow has stage fright, to the point that it haunts her nightmares. The girl playing the tuba leaves the stage and Morgan and Sid, the dummy, take the stage. Buffy is immediately creeped out as dummies give her the wig. The wig. <laughs> Willow thinks Sid is kind of cute and Xander, Xander's more concerned with the mime off in the <laughs> So, 
The fear of dummies, dolls, and other human-like figures is called automatonophobia. Sounds good to me. Automatonophobia. Automatonophobia. The fear of mimes, clowns, and people in disguises is called metamphysomophobia. It's a really long word. There's a Z in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Metamphysomophobia. Yeah. I look forward to many more of these hard to pronounce fears popping up in next week's episode. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's going to (laughs) happen. I bet your languages. I bet your fears. You guys are going to have fun with that one. (laughs) Morgan introduces the two of them and the act begins. At first, it's pretty bad. Painfully bad, even. But then Sid's demeanor changes and things start being pretty amusing. Even Giles seems to hate his life a little less. (laughs) As he tells Buffy and the others that surely they can come up with something equally as amusing. Or maybe just half as amusing. Half as amusing and they'll be fine. Sid, meanwhile, is looking around in a kind of squirrely manner. Yeah, creepy. (laughs) Rehearsal over, we move to the locker room where the ballerina from earlier is all alone and changing from her dance clothes to her normal one. Stuffing her toe shoes in her locker, she prepares to leave when she hears a noise. Okay. I would think by now, the students of Sunnydale would know when you hear a noise, move away from it. Not towards it, away from it. Me personally, I would be utilizing the buddy system as much as possible. I am not yes. going to go anywhere by myself. No. Not even, th- and why does the locker room always look so creepy and dark? Do they have no, they do not have lights in this lock. But okay, no TV show of this caliber has lights in their locker room. I know. Never had lights. I know. And I know it's, I know it's for the spooky atmosphere with, you know, you know, sci-fi, supernatural horror genre, but come on. It's a high school. It's a locker room. People are going to slip on the water and crack their skulls open. Don't even, you know, without blinding fluorescence, but nobody looks looks good in nobody in those in that room anyway towards the noise she goes calling out to see who is there after a few turns of corners and moments where we think something might happen but doesn't the shot switches once again to a point of view as we join the demon in attacking the poor ballerina the girl screaming as he declares he will be flesh credits still awesome i don't think they're ever gonna not be awesome they're they're never gonna no but we'll just say they're gonna be awesome they're always awesome back to the sunnydale high auditorium another day another rehearsal musicians warm up in the background as the magician searches for his rabbit and off to the side buffy willow and xander go over lines for a dramatic scene (laughs) something willow says is the easiest way to get through the talent show as it doesn't actually involve any talent xander remains skeptical and says there has to be something else they can do. Like what? Buffy asks, slay vampires on stage? <laughs> well, maybe in a funny way. Xander then brings up that Willow plays the piano. Because remember, the keyboard on her bed from yep. the last episode. Okay, Buffy can get behind that. Willow can play while she and Xander attempt to sing. <laughs> okay, while she and Xander attempt to sing. I could not figure out. My note said sing. <laughs> What? Play in front of all those people? No, she can't. She can't play. So there is a deleted part of this conversation where we would have learned that Xander's talent was burping the alphabet. Yeah, that that tracks. 
They hear a whistle and turn to see Morgan sitting on a couch along with Sid. Sid comments on the goodies while Willow gets up and approaches, telling Morgan that he's gotten really good. (laughs) They ask about Sid's voice and he says he patterned it on his dad's. Not true, says Sid. It's totally authentic. Just like him. Sid starts making suggestive comments towards Willow as Xander protests and Buffy tells Morgan the whole horny dummy thing is way over and he needs to find some new material. (laughs) Or Sid ends up in a fireplace. Off Sid and Morgan's look, we go to Principal Snyder, once again walking down the center aisle of the auditorium, this time talking to Giles. He tells Giles how kids need structure, (laughs) discipline. He knows it's different than what Flutie would have said, but Flutie's woolly-headed liberal thinking (laughs) is what got him eaten. So Snyder thinks he'll pass. Oh, I love He's that line. He's there to better the school. <laughs> so, woolly-headed liberal thinking gets you eaten. That's the kind of woolly-headed liberal thinking that leads to being eaten. Like, <laughs> oh. like this is a normal occurrence? I mean, I guess in Sunnydale I mean, is, yeah, but- yeah. But I like how nonchalant he is about it. Like, yeah, yeah, that's the reason why he got eaten. Yeah, which is funny because the official word was wild dogs. Yeah. Got into his office. So his ideology would have nothing to do with that, which implies that Snyder knows what actually happened. Yeah. Or Snyder is just being snarky and making fun of his predecessor. Both are equally likely. Yeah. He's there to better the school and to keep an eye on the trouble element, aka the Scoobies. He casually remarks that he doesn't like kids and tells (laughs) Giles that from here on out, it's going to be a different Sunnydale. Clean, orderly, and quiet. Of course, as soon as he says quiet, we hear a scream in the distance and go to the locker room where the ballerina's body has been found. A girl screams before the scene changes and we see a female teacher exiting the locker room looking distraught with Giles following. Some official looking personnel wheel a gurney in, most likely there to collect the body. At least now we see the authorities. At least this time the body isn't being left there behind a locked door while they're waiting. Like at least somebody's taking it away now. (laughs) We have an orderly response to a dead body in a That's, school. Yeah, so maybe, yeah. Maybe maybe Snyder has brought some good stuff with him. Yes, let's get the body out here right now. Why are we keeping it in the school overnight? Exactly. Lucky under the police tape, he heads away from the scene of the crime through the throngs of students gathered to watch, approaching Buffy, Willow, and Xander. He confirms for them that, the, that it is the dancer whose name we learn is Emily, to which Xander replies, I hate this school. And... <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't blame him. I I would, yeah, no, I would be right there with you, Xander. They confirm it must have occurred right after rehearsal, as there was apparently a cross-country meet at another school that Emily never showed up to. Buffy asks if it was demons, and Giles says no. He seems firm in the belief, and so Buffy asks what's up. How does he know? Well, her heart was missing, and while there are various demons that feed on human hearts, we see the police bag a bloody knife. Demons have claws and therefore have no need for such a thing, which means they're murder is most likely human. Did Xander mention that he hates this school? Because <laughs> he does. He does. Yeah. No, again, you can't blame him. Nope. Willow asks if Giles really believes another student could have killed Emily, and he says all the evidence seems to be pointing in that direction. Even so, that doesn't sit right with Buffy. Hellmouth, remember? Everything about this screams demon to her. <laughs> and Giles hopes she's right, because a demon is just pure evil. A person driven to kill is... Well, 
complicated. Yeah. Not to mention the creep factor. Willow chimes in saying how it could be anyone, even her. (laughs) It's not though, her, just in case anyone needs that cleared up. I love when TV shows that are mostly supernatural deal with just a human doing something. Like, I always like how everyone is expecting something that's going to be supernatural, but they just find a cannibal and it messes with the whole worldview. I do like that. And we're going to get a little bit of that Mm -hmm. in the next episode. Yep. Um, I mean, there's still going to be a supernatural element to it, but we we are going to get that mixing of the idea of a supernatural occurrence with some just plain old human evilness. Yeah. Because... Season one is just dark, season one. Dark yeah, season, I know we we talked about it the last couple times. Like it just is dark for a season one. It is. It really is. And we're going to talk a little bit about this later in this episode when we talk about Morgan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll talk. Yeah, Morgan. That, that's also. Yeah. I think I will mention this later too. But that's this is not the only time we'll see Morgan's situation. Yeah. So. But let's continue, and then we can get to Morgan and talk about Morgan. Demon or no, they still need to investigate, leading Giles to suggest they start with the other talent show entrance, as one of them might have been the last person to see her alive. Buffy talks to the tuba player, who tells her she didn't know Emily that well, given the whole band-dancer rivalry. (laughs) I did not know that existed. I I mean, I was in band in in high school, and I don't think that there was a rivalry. Apparently you were (laughs) doing band wrong. Uh, Apparently I was. I wish I could have had a more dramatic experience. Not this said, dramatic, though. No, no, definitely not this dramatic. <laughs> no one needs an experience this dramatic. She says she did talk to her a bit the day before, and she seemed happy. The conversation picks up with Giles and the magician, who is practicing his card tricks while they chat. The whole questioning montage is just full of tiny verbal transitions that I love with all love, my heart. Love a good transition. He says Emily was really psyched to do the show, that she loved to dance. He then tells Giles to pick a card, but not that card. <laughs> Mark is apparently not a very good magician. No, no. Giles asks when the last time they saw her was, and he says she was talking to someone, the smart guy with the dummy. The juggler from the show continues as he walks into class beside Willow. Morgan? Yeah, the juggler confirms it was him and says he was acting kind of strange. When Willow asks strange how, he moved to Cordelia and Xander at cheerleading practice. (laughs) As Cordelia tells Xander how horribly tragic this has all been for her, Emma was like her best friend. Emily. Xander reminds her that the dead girl's name is Emily. Back to Buffy and the tuba player. She tells Buffy that Morgan has always been strange, how he tends to hold his head a lot, moaning, especially the other day. With Giles, the magician tells us that Morgan often seems paranoid, looking around at everyone. And the juggler adds, he thinks he saw him arguing with the dummy. Still with Xander, Cordelia says all she can think about is how it could have been her, which causes Xander to remark, they can do it. (laughs) He's got so many good lines. He does. Nicholas Nicholas Brendan really does deliver that character so well. It's such a good performance. If he really is, he's just he's so good at Xander and Xander is just such a great character, which is why I get so mad. Yeah. At all the fandom hate with Xander. And cuz he's so and I think like a lot of it just reminds me of guys that I knew when I was in high school, just so dry and sarcastic and the guys that you could be friends with. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I don't like the hate. I don't like to hate no. anybody any character gets. No. No. <laughs> 
Buffy enters the auditorium, most likely to look for Morgan, and hey, she finds him pretty easily, as Sid is sitting right there, center stage, telling Morgan how they need to be on the lookout, figure out who's next. Morgan asks how they're supposed to do that, just as he catches a glimpse of Buffy, who is approaching the stage. She says hi, and Morgan tells her that he was just practicing throwing his voice. Grabbing Sid from the stool, he comes down off the stage, and Buffy asks if he noticed anything weird that day before, especially with Emily. No, not that he can think of. He did notice her around, though, when he and Sid were talking. Talking? Rehearsing. When he (laughs) and Sid were rehearsing. (laughs) Sitting down, he grabs his head as Buffy asks if he's okay. That's when Sid intervenes, telling Buffy that Morgan answered her question. Annoyed, and thinking Morgan is deflecting, she tells Morgan to talk to him herself. Sid answers before he can, essentially telling Buffy to get lost. That Morgan has said all he's going to. Morgan tells Sid it's fine, as he gently lays him into the box, assuring him that they're done. Buffy, afraid she hit a chord, tells Morgan she's sorry for upsetting him, and he says no, no, it's not him, it's Sid. He's... Before he can finish, he decides (laughs) against it, and instead closes the box, saying he has to go. Watching him leave, Buffy remarks, cute couple. (laughs) Not not shady at all. No, not sketchy. That was the least sketchy conversation ever. Nope, nope. The trio enters, and Xander says next time they split up, someone else is on Cordy detail. (laughs) That a few more minutes with her, and the murderer would have had another organ donor. (laughs) Willow says she didn't have much better luck, as everyone pointed her in the same direction. Morgan? Buffy says the same thing happened to her. And even Giles says he was led to that conclusion. Okay, well... Now what? If it's Morgan, they can't kill him. They need to bring him to justice. Willow suggests they set up a complex sting operation and get him to confess. (laughs) Xander even volunteers to wear the wire. I (laughs) love how, like, into this they are. Like, they just take it and run with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it just sounds like something we would do. Like, yeah, I'll wear the wire. Okay, let's see. What time do we want to meet? Who's going to bring the coffee? Yeah. <laughs> I think all they know is that they need to bring with justice and all, but they're running with a plan. Yeah. <laughs> Before their planning can get too out of hand, Buffy steps in. All they know is that Morgan is kind of super weird, but that doesn't automatically make one a murderer. Is she sure? Because as Xander reminds her, he talks to his puppet. <laughs> and for the puppet, which, okay, yes. But what about the demon theory? Giles is working on that, but unfortunately his research has been waylaid by a life in the theater. <laughs> when Buffy tells him that he needs to get his priorities in order. (laughs) Giles reminds her that Snyder is watching them all very closely and that if he so wishes, he can make their lives very difficult. And with her being the slayer, that is something they should all want to avoid. Mm Mm-hmm. He suggests she do a bit more digging, look into Morgan, check his locker, see if there's anything weird in there, like a heart. <laughs> like, I just like, just, yeah. Gonna keep the heart just, in the locker. Just to, just see if he has a heart in his locker. Yeah, no big deal. Buffy gives in and Willow says she'll pull his locker number. While Xander still holds out hope, there will be a wire involved. <laughs> I, I am Xander in this scenario. <laughs> I want to have my just want to operation. Well, the best part is these days you don't have to wear a wire. All you have to do is have your cell phone on and that's in true. your pocket. I know it takes such the, the fun out of it. I know. With, I need my elaborate like setting up a fake <laughs> location. Now it's just oh, so boring now. I know. In the hallway, peering around the corner, Buffy steps into the deserted hallway, making her way towards Morgan's locker. Behind her, a closet door opens and the camera switches position so that for a moment, the audience joins whoever it is that's watching Buffy. And speaking of Buffy, this is probably me being way too old again. But <laughs> No way would I ever have been allowed to wear that dress in high school. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, 
the only that is thing way too short. The only thing that I can explain is it's California. Yes, <laughs> it's like anything goes in Southern California. I know nothing. <laughs> it is adorable, but it is way too short. Yeah. Buffy would have been sent home immediately. But then also, like, you're not allowed to linger after hours like that. And Yeah, I mean, well, we do get to that. Yeah, we do. But yeah, no, that dress, that was like her skirt in the first episode. I would, I would not have been allowed to wear those things. I know. Either by the school nor my mother. Yes, but then we don't have mothers that would let us go out to the child nightclub, so. That's true. None of our parents are international art smugglers who allow us to go to small children nightclubs. (laughs) Oh. And and occasionally Joyce goes goes out of town for her art smuggling. And And she's very busy. Art smuggling is a full-time thing. I know. She's she's got it made. For a moment, she fiddles with the lock before giving up and just smashing the lock, breaking (laughs) it before pulling the locker open. I love that. I love how she she starts to open it and then she's just like, nah, and then slams it in. It's going to take too long. She has limited time here. (laughs) But can you imagine Imagine like the next day, Morgan is going to be like, what happened to my locker? (laughs) This is true. This is true. She begins to look through Morgan's things and then a hand clamps around hers. It's Principal Snyder. Who would like to know what it is she thinks she's doing? He tells her that school is over and therefore she should be gone. There are certain things he will not tolerate in his school. (laughs) Students lurking after hours. Horrible murders with the hearts being removed. (laughs) And smoking. <laughs> Three things that are very equal lingering after school, hearts being removed, and smoking. <laughs> also, does this mean Snyder will tolerate horrible murders where the heart isn't removed? Um, I think he's I think he's uh holding out on that to add to the list. Okay, because this is Sunnydale and you kinda need that clarified. Yeah. Yeah, but then this also goes back to what exactly does he know at this point? True. True. I have my theory that we talked about at the end of the pack where I feel like Snyder was brought in by the mayor. Yeah. Because why else wouldn't the vice principal have just been made principal? And just the way that Snyder behaves through his tenure at Sunnydale. Yeah. It just seems like he knows more than... Well, because we learned pretty early in season two that he knows. Yeah. Like, we're three episodes in and they're like, what do you want us to tell everyone? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's... like, I feel he was brought in because he knows. Yeah, yeah. And he and he has a specific behavior and style that lends itself to what the mayor is looking for. Yeah, but that means I like how does Snyder know the mayor? I need to know these things. I need I to know. know. I know. There's so much going on in the background of this show that I now realize is happening that I need to know. That's the best part about rewatching this is it makes you think about what was going on behind the scenes of the town when everything else was going on. Because I mean, now, like, again, like we know later on about the mayor and everything. But now it's interesting to think about that in the context of the earlier seasons. Yeah, especially because we're going to we're going to talk about the mayor a little bit, I think, when we get to the end of this season. Yeah, because had the hell mouth opened, would that have ruined everything he's been planning? Yeah, So is that way, like he kind of let Buffy be for a while because she was keeping things quelled till it was his time. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like it is it is very interesting to think about how that all plays out. Yeah, that'll be yeah, that'll be cool. I love this show so much. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's, so it's good. just so, so good. <laughs> Buffy assures him that she does none of those things, and he says there's something about her and that he is going to figure it out. Their conversation finished. He asked if there was something she needed from the locker, and she says a friend sent her to retrieve something from the case. This <laughs> case, which is empty. Bum, bum, bum. She tells Snyder her friend must have gotten it himself and forgotten before closing the locker and standing so that Snyder is unable to see the broken lock. (laughs) It is then that we see the people watching her from the closet are in fact Sid and Morgan. They close the door as Snyder tells Buffy to go home. It's late. Creepers. In the auditorium, Morgan and Sid are arguing. Morgan telling Sid he doesn't want to do something that he can't. A conversation that is kind of eerily similar to Dave's with Moloch. Yeah, yeah. Sid tells them that he doesn't have a choice, that she, Buffy obviously, is the one. After all, he saw what she did, how strong she was. Sid promises Morgan that this will be the last one. That after this, Sid will be free. When Morgan once again reiterates that he won't do it, Sid says he will. We move to Buffy's house where Buffy is getting ready for bed. Joyce knocks before coming in and asking how the talent show is going. (laughs) Telling Buffy that she can't wait to see what she and the others have come up with. (laughs) What? Huh? Seen? As an attending? No, no, no. Her mother cannot attend the talent show. (laughs) Not with a murderer who may or may not be a demon on the loose. No, mom, don't you have some art smuggling to do? Yes, that's right. Go smuggle your art, mom. Don't come to the talent show. Even without a demon on the loose, I doubt she'd want her mom. Oh, I never I never had my mom come to. We didn't have talent (sighs) shows per se, but we had something called the Murmur, which was a coffee house, which was basically a talent show. Like people signed up to do stuff. And I never let my family, I never had my family come to those they dropped me off and then i spent the night at jackie's after see i have been in music since i was in fourth grade in some capacity so choir band i was in the musicals so yeah i was used to my mom coming to all of that No, I just, I just, I was always like, no, you don't have to come, family. Thanks, bye. Yeah, I, I was the big music nerd, and of course, my mom insisted on coming to everything. Oh, that's cute, though. Yeah, it was fun, <laughs> but no, no band dance rivalry. Again, just that's just sad. We need more excitement. <laughs> I know, not murder excitement, but rivalry. Oh no, 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 just rivalry excitement. Joyce asks if something else is bothering Buffy, and she says that she just has a lot going on right now. Then Joyce tells her to get some sleep and that she'll feel better in the morning. Agreeing, Buffy climbs into bed and turns out the light only for Sid to be in her oh, window. That is so creepy. It does not. No, it doesn't matter how many times I watch this episode. I know. And like, de- like puppets don't creep me out, but that moment, I jump every time. The way and and just the way that that scene is framed with him in the like peeking in peeking in the window it's just so creepy it's uh it's so it's so full of nope so full of nope <laughs> anything peeking in the window like that would be oh. creepy buffy lays in bed sleeping or half sleeping as one small creak and she's apparently awake eyes scanning about as she hears the patter of little feet on oh. her floor oh my god i hate that <laughs> Is this like the worst seat ever for you? That the the just the the pitter patter of his tiny feet. It just goes through me. 
<laughs> I mean, it's a creepy scene. Because I, you know what, like, I do sleep pretty deeply, but I am one of those people where if I hear some sort of strange noise, I am awake and wondering if something is crawling around my room. Like, I am, yeah, I'm right there. <laughs> Oh, no, I had that experience the other night. I was watching TV or something, and I was up in the bedroom alone, and I heard, like, a squeak, and I was like, the fuck was that? <laughs> and it turns out Teeble was laying near one of the vents with his chew toy. Okay. And so I could hear it come You could up. hear it through the vent, yeah. Because after that, I never heard anything. Like, I never heard anything the rest of the night, and I never heard, like, skittering or anything, so it obviously wasn't, like, mice in the attic. Yeah. Or whatever. It was just, like, a little squeaky noise, and I was like, God damn it, dog. Yeah, nothing is worse, though, than being half asleep, half awake, and just hearing something strange. Yeah. Eyes scanning about as she hears the patter of little feet on the floor. Turning <laughs> towards the noise, she tries to see what could have been making it before turning back to her bed and finding herself face to face with Sid. Duh. She no. screams. <laughs> she she screams. screams. I scream. <laughs> Everybody screams. There's no ice cream involved, though. Very sad. <laughs> Tossing the dummy aside, and he takes off running again as Joyce comes in, obviously having heard Buffy scream. She asks Buffy what's wrong, and Buffy says there's something in her bed. But though her and Joyce check, there's nothing there, leading Joyce to believe that Buffy had a nightmare. Buffy knows she didn't, but she can't prove it. So she just agrees, apologizing for waking her mom. Yeah, it's not like I, she can tell her mom that I saw Kid from school's ventriloquist dummy running through my room. <laughs> can't, nah, can't really tell you about no. that. As Joyce departs, she tells Buffy not to go to sleep with her window open. <laughs> she didn't. Nope. So <laughs> I just want to mention before we before this scene, the script has a note of another day begins at our favorite school. <laughs> I just, I love that. I cracked up when I read that. And it's, it's just a mundane sentence, but I love it so much. That is great. <laughs> We're back at rehearsal as the magician, whose name we now learn is Mark, thanks to it being on the outside of his magic cabinet, <laughs> attempts to make his assistant disappear. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. And when he opens the cabinet, she's still there. <laughs> Something that makes Xander and Willow both giggle. Giles comes out from backstage, Cordelia following, as she asks him why she has to follow Brett. <laughs> Giles explains it's because they need time to clear the band's equipment before the finale. But the mood will be all wrong. Her song is about dignity and feelings and proper hygiene. <laughs> Point is, it's sappy. And who's going to be feeling sappy after all that rock and roll? Not answering right away, Giles just stares at Cordelia. And when she asks what, he remarks, your hair. Her hair? There's something <laughs> wrong with her hair? She runs off and Giles smiles to himself. Turns out Xander was right. And it works like a charm. <laughs> he is taking advice from Xander. I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> Probably not. But hey, now we know. You tell Cordy there's something wrong with her hair and it will immediately end any conversation. Yep. Setting you free. Buffy enters looking both adorable and somber in her all black outfit. She asks where Morgan is and Giles says he hasn't seen him. Why? Did he do something to her? No, he didn't. But his dummy did. <laughs> Buffy tells them how she thinks Sid was in her room last night, alone and alive. Oh, how something small was running about her room, went under her bed, and then attacked her. Attacked her? Attacked her how? She says it pounced on her face. Like a cat? <laughs> yeah, kind of. But that when she turned on the lights, it was gone out her window. Like a, like a cat. cat. 
<laughs> Xander gives her a look as Buffy says, no, no, she knows it wasn't a cat. It was Sid. Giles wonders if it couldn't have been a nightmare seen as she has dummies on the brain. <laughs> and Willow comments about how she did say they creeped her out a bit. Hello, can she get a little support? She is not your run-of-the-mill crazy person here. She is the slayer. And so, why are we not believing that there could possibly be a creepy dummy? Right? Like, this is a weird hill for them to, like... Like, we've dealt with... little argument on. Like, we've could dealt with vamp- we've, we've been dealing with vampires. We had hyena possession. We had giant mantis lady. But no, a dummy living... A living dummy is too much for them to believe. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's very, it's a very weird position for them to take. <laughs> like, at this point, you should just take for granted it could be anything until you prove it's not. Like, it would just be like, oh, okay, let's run with this. We'll try to prove that it's not. But if it is, we're not surprised. And I believe Sarah Michelle Geller is also creeped out by dummies. Yes. So. Yeah. This episode <laughs> is a little hard for her as well. Because she had, it, I read that she had nightmares after the filming of this. So me and Sarah Michelle Geller have something in common <laughs> you know you can bond over your fear of sid i know i know that would be great yes i too would have nightmares if i had to work with a dummy morgan enters and willow points to his very existence as being a point in the morgan's just crazy column which <laughs> seems kind of rude <sighs> i mean yes he's been exhibiting a lot of weird behavior but this, like, when Willow says this, he is literally just walking across the auditorium. Yeah, yeah, like, he wasn't even doing any of the weird stuff that he was doing before. Like, give poor Morgan a break. Poor guy. I know we'll find out more about him in, in a little bit, but, oh, come on, people. Yeah. Buffy says she would love to talk to Morgan without his better half, and that she is sure he would have things to say then. Giles then tells them that he might have a lead on the demon front, that there is a brotherhood of seven demons that take the form of humans and that every seven years the member of this brotherhood must take a heart and a brain or else they revert back to their demon form this reminded me so much of the gentleman yeah that i had to go check and see if they also appeared every seven years nothing i found said how often the gentlemen appear Mm -hmm. but the rhyme does mention them needing seven hearts yeah yeah which is not surprising because seven is so very often a number associated with the occult and witchcraft and magical dealings. Oh, great. Now you just reminded me of something else that creeps me the frick out. <laughs> Is it the gentleman? Oh, the gentleman. The gentlemen are so creepy. Yeah. I, I mean, I love them, but they're so oh, yeah. creepy. Yeah, they're they're one of my favorite supernatural things that pop up in this series, but ooh. Also, the book Giles hands Buffy and them to show them about the Brotherhood. We'll see this book again in season two's Killed by Death because it will also contain info about Der Kindestadt. Mm, right. So then it's possible it might be Morgan, only you know Demon Morgan. Maybe, but probably not, as demons, even in human form, are preternaturally strong and Morgan seems to be getting weaker every day. Willow, Buffy, and Morgan with Sid are all in history class. American history, by the sound of it, as the Monroe Doctrine is mentioned. (laughs) And for those who don't know, the Monroe Doctrine is one of the best-known U.S. policies towards the Western Hemisphere, warning Europe that the U.S. would not tolerate further colonization or puppet monarchs. Puppet? Yeah. (laughs) What what an appropriate uh, thing to learn about in this episode. I do not know if that was intentional, but I like it. I like that there's that. Buffy is sitting staring at Morgan and Sid when Sid turns his head to stare back. She holds his gaze as Cordelia leans over, telling Buffy it looks like someone has a crush on her, 
And hey, maybe the two of them can tour with the freak show. I know we've somehow moved from like world history and the Black Plague to American history and the Monroe Doctrine in just a few weeks. Yeah. I do appreciate the fact that they've kept Cordelia sitting next to Buffy from the pilot. Yeah, yeah, that's... that's, Yeah, no, you got a good point about the way that the history... It's also a different classroom. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's weird. Or it's a different angle because when we see them in the pilot, the classroom seems to be going lengthwise. And when we see them in this episode, the classroom seems to be going widthwise. Yeah, they have some weird curriculum at that school. They do. At least it's not two separate things being learned in the same class. I will never get over that because that's just not how that works. That's a safety issue. Yeah, and they would, if if somebody was in a different kind of learning track, they would be in a different classroom. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Weird curriculum. If we try to dissect the, like, Sunnydale High School system, we will be here. That's like trying to dissect, like, how they thought Hogwarts set up was a good idea. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a whole episode in itself. <laughs> Sid whispers something in Morgan's ear right as the teacher asks how Spain responded to the U.S.'s policy. Sensing that Morgan is not paying attention, she calls on him to answer. He looks confused and Sid says Morgan has other things on his mind. While the class is amused, the teacher is not. She takes Sid and locks him in her cabinet before attempting to carry on with class. When Sid remarks, I'm still watching you, the teacher tells Morgan that it's enough. All throughout this, Buffy doesn't stop watching Morgan. Something is seriously, seriously wrong and she needs to figure out what. After class, or possibly after school, Morgan goes to get Sid back. He's visibly upset, out of sorts, and though the teacher tries to talk to him, he's too jittery to listen. He just wants Sid back. She opens her cabinet to retrieve him, and Sid's gone. Gone? How can Sid be gone? (laughs) Morgan doesn't understand. Sid should have known to wait for him that he would come back. If Sid isn't there, where is he? In the library, apparently. Uh, Yep. With Xander, who is hanging out behind the counter and playing with the dummy. (laughs) Buffy, Willow, and Giles enter, carrying the costumes for the talent show. And Buffy is a little surprised to see Sid. Where did Xander get him? Xander admits to swiping him from the teacher's cabinet as Buffy wanted to talk to Morgan alone. And now Morgan's alone, seeing as how Sid is with him and all. That was a, that was some great initiative that Xander took. I know! Good job, Xander! Xander begins playing with Sid again, having the dummy say hello to Buffy and Willow. When Buffy says he shouldn't be doing that, <laughs> Xander has the dummy tell her that he's not real. Before proceeding to bang Sid's head on the counter to prove his point. Sid is wood, so maybe Buffy should go find Morgan and prove he is whatever he is. Buffy heads out to find Morgan, who is probably looking for Sid, and tells Xander to watch the dummy. As she leaves, Xander does a little bye-bye now before making Sid yell, red rum, red rum. (laughs) Red rum, red rum. (laughs) A moment that was not in the script and was in fact improvised by Nicholas Brendan. This is a good improvisation. (laughs) Taken from Stephen King's The Shining, red rum is murder spelled backwards. In both the book and the movie, the use of the phrase is most closely associated with Danny Torrance. In the book, he has visions of the phrase, watching them morph into the word murder. In the movie, he writes the phrase on a door and when his mother sees it reflected in the mirror, she realizes what it means. I tried to see if there was like some deeper reason they use that, but that's all I could find out. I'm yeah. sure she would know very into Stephen King, but yeah, no, I think, yeah, it was, I feel like I know this, but I'm on the spot and I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. I mean like Wikipedia or something wasn't helpful. So I don't yeah. think there is anything other than they just wanted to do like some wordplay. Yeah. It was a good, it, you know, red rum, 
murder spelled backwards, you know, has sounds really good when you say red rum. Yeah. When Willow asks what they're going to do with him, and it's unclear whether she means Sid or Xander. <laughs> Xander says he'll keep Sid company, just as Giles says he and Willow have some hunting of their own to do. Willow remarking how once again, she is banished to the demon section of the card catalog. Heading for the stacks, Giles tells her to concentrate on reanimation theory while he concentrates on organ harvesting. That leaves Xander alone with Sid, who sets him down in a chair, making sure he's in a position that looks comfortable. <laughs> Buffy walks around the <sighs> auditorium, heading backstage as she looks for Morgan, but it seems no one is about. Feeling as if she's being watched, she heads towards a curtain, but before she can go through it, Snyder is there. I she love asks, those curtains. Those curtains are amazing. They were I, like they have like a 1960s aesthetic that it looks like they've been in that school since the 1960s and I would definitely steal them from that school. Right? Like they're they're really nice curtains. <laughs> Someone who had to do plays in like a lecture hall. Oh. Those are some really nice curtains. Yeah. I don't even think we had, I don't, there was a lot of changing around people that you shouldn't be changing around in, in high school when I was in. <laughs> we set up risers in the band room in order to separate the different areas. <laughs> she asks Snyder if he's seen Morgan and he says that with everything going on, he's not sure how safe it is for her to be wandering about all alone. It's fine. She assures him she can take care of herself. All right then. Xander works on homework every so often glancing over at Sid. Back in the stacks, Willow's found something in the section on toys and magic. It seems there have been cases where toys of a human-like nature, such as dolls and dummies, have acted on their desire to become human by harvesting organs. Which means it's entirely possible that Sid is the one who took Emily's heart. Oh, see, now we believe that it could be the dummy. Oh yeah, yeah, now that the book told us so. Oh yeah, yeah, the book, the book said. So now we believe leave Buffy. Xander gets up from the table and for a moment we see his notebook which would not really be noteworthy except that I had that same <laughs> brand of notebook in high school. Like I ha- those were those were the notebooks I used and in fact if you look in like some of the boxes that contain my writing from that area you will see several of those <laughs> notebooks. So I was just highly amused. I was like oh I remember that brand. <laughs> I didn't take note of it because I don't think I had that notebook. <laughs> Steve, just a little thing you like realize when you had that thing. He returns to his seat, failing to notice right away that Sid is gone. The audience notice, however, and a moment later, Xander catches up with a yell, which brings Willow and Giles from the back. They ask what's wrong, and from where Xander is standing on a table... <laughs> he tells them Sid is gone. <laughs> they look down, see the empty seat, and also immediately begin looking for something to stand on. Yeah. <laughs> I feel this moment. I really do. Because yeah. my ass would have been on that table with Xander. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's kind of like when you know that there's a mouse and you climb up on a chair. Oh, uh, yeah. No, that's, that's, I'll be in my car. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah no. Back to Buffy, who is still wandering about backstage. And okay, this is like what we just talked about. Can I say their backstage space is impressive? Like, oh, it, the, the it really is. Art that she's, it's very expansive. Yeah. I mean, we had, a, we, we had a pretty decent area for all the props and stuff. But like, 
I mean, you know, it is Southern California. It looks like they have a great, you know, great budget at that school. Good for them. She hears a noise and calls out for Morgan right as she bumps into his shoe. Well, more his foot. As Morgan is on the ground, dead. Poor Morgan. Stricken, Buffy begins to back away, mumbling to herself about how the demon has himself a brain. Right before a chandelier comes crashing towards her. (laughs) Because apparently we are now in Phantom of the Opera. That chandelier, that's a pretty hefty iron chandelier. It is, and it knocks Buffy to the ground. As she comes to, she sees Sid running about on the catwalk above, making his way down to her. Oh, those creepy running feet again. (laughs) She tries (sighs) to move the chandelier off her as Sid comes at her with a knife. Finally managing to get three, she slams Sid against the wall. They banter for a moment about how neither is getting the heart or the brain (laughs) or whatever they want. And then they realize they both think the other is the demon. Huh? What? I love that bit. <laughs> I love it so much. Do you also get excited when you finally get to see scenes that are in the opening? Yes, there's a lot of them in this episode. Yeah, like I love whenever it's like, oh, look, there it is. That's in the opening. I love it. It's, it's so much fun. Especially if they're like scenes like you've been waiting to come up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back in the library, Sid tells them how he's a demon hunter and how thanks to a particularly nasty demon and a curse, he's stuck as a puppet. He says Buffy was right to be suspicious of him this whole time and remarks he should have chosen her to team up with but didn't sense you know he thought she was the demon Giles mm-hmm. remarks how nice it is to have <laughs> someone else do the explaining I love the way that they're all staring in shock like their faces are so good in that scene <laughs> He moves to get a cup of tea, his kettle whistling. Sid tells Buffy how there were seven demons. He's killed six. So if he gets this last one, the curse will be lifted and he'll be human again. Well, he'll be free. He won't be human again, but whatever. Well, now we can start singing human again. Oh, <laughs> he knows it's someone in the talent show. Yeah, but Buffy points out that the demon has what he wants. Emily's heart, Morgan's brain. He'll be long gone by now. Right. So once they know who is gone from the show, they'll know who the demon is. The show. Giles totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> the show is about to start and he needs to be there. Forsaking his tea, he begins to run off. As he does, Sid tells him to form a power circle as it will be the easiest way to figure out who is missing. <laughs> yes, excellent. Great idea. Only Giles doesn't know what a power circle is. No. <laughs> Moving around the backstage area, Giles tells everyone there is 15 minutes to curtain. Cordelia finds Giles and tells him she can't go out there. All those people <laughs> looking at her, judging her like she's some sort of Buffy. Buffy. <laughs> what if she messes up? God, Cordelia is just rude. There's a lot of rudeness going on in this I episode. Know, I know. Oh, we love Cordy, but Cordy, you're, you're, yeah. you're being a lot right now. Yes, Cordelia is a lot. Giles needs to tell her there's something wrong with her hair again. Yeah. (laughs) Giles tells her the advice to imagine everyone in their underwear. And ew, even the teachers? Because gross. (laughs) Okay, maybe not. He tells everyone to assemble on the stage in five for the power circle. Above, Sid and Buffy sit on the catwalk, waiting. And Sid asks Buffy what her deal is. He didn't figure her for a demon hunter. She tells him she's the Slayer. And Sid remarks that he knew a Slayer once, back in the 30s, a Korean girl. Very hot. (laughs) They had some good times. Going to the Slayer timeline, it does have a space for Sid Slayer, but there's no name and no other information is given. Buffy questions him a bit more about his quest to kill this final demon. He says he'll be free, but his body, it has to be long gone, right? Yeah, it's dust and bones. When he says free, means dead. But that's okay. He's lived a lot longer than most demon hunters and slayers. But if Buffy wants to comfort him, she moves his <laughs> hand from her knee, remarking on how it seems his whole 
horny puppet thing isn't an act after all. Below them, Giles is gathering everyone together. They form the pre-show power circle, but no one is missing. Could it be that the demon isn't someone in the show? Buffy goes to tell Willow and Xander what they found, frowning as she looks up and sees Sid has left his post on the catwalk. Giles goes to return to backstage, only to find Snyder lurking in the shadows. Again. I love how much they have set Snyder up to be the red herring here. Yes. Yes. It's so overt with their like, look at him. Look at him lurking in the shadows. And and also like with a lot of the scenes where they do like the point of view of the stalker, a lot of times he ends up coming in yeah. at almost the same moment where they're doing that. So no, they really do. Because he, he he's creepy. He's almost the creepiest one of everything this episode. Yeah, he's super creepy and he's new. Yeah. And they just did a good job of by the time you got to this part of the episode, you were like, oh, I bet it's Snyder. Yeah. But it's not Snyder. He's no. just the principal. No. And then again, later you find out he's sketchy as fuck. <clears throat> yeah. So there's 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 so many levels going on to Snyder. Like I said, we're going to be keeping a very close watch on Snyder from this point out. Yep. We're going to watch Snyder as closely as Snyder is watching the Scooby gang. Yes. That is a good explanation. <laughs> Still looking for Sid, Buffy wanders the stage area for another moment before having some sort of goo drip on her. The goo, it turns out, is coming from a brain, which falls on her the moment she pulls at some cords. No, 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 no. I'd be going home to shower immediately. We can deal with the demon later. Nope. Yep. Guess this means the demon isn't gone and so can still be anyone. Except Willow, because she told us it wasn't her. No. We believe Willow. In the library, Buffy is having some very Lady Macbeth X feelings about her hands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I. <laughs> yeah, out, out, damn spot. Yeah, she no. No. As Xander finds it mighty suspicious that Sid is gone and now there's a brain, he feels a bit like he's been Kaiser Sozade. <laughs> no, no, Sid is on the up and up. Buffy is sure of it. The question is, why did the demon reject Morgan's brain? He's the smartest kid in school. Well, before we explain that, let me point out that Kaiser Sose is a reference to the main protagonist of the 1995 film, The Usual Suspects. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. No, I'm going to be I'm going to be very cautious about this. Okay. <laughs> in the film, Sose is a crime lord who has reached legendary, if not mythical, status. A twist ending, which I will try not to spoil here, reveals that Sose may not be who they all think he is. Yep. And the character is said to have been inspired by a real-life murderer, John List, oh. and the spy thriller, No Way Out, which features a KGB agent that may or may not exist. I want to definitely recommend so, everybody look up look up John List, because that story is wild. <laughs> is it? I forgot to look up John List before, before yeah. this episode, so I'm going to we'll, go do it this afternoon. We'll talk about John List later, because it's, it's a it's a crazy story. Oh, now I'm excited. So why did the demon reject Morgan's brain? Turns out he also has brain cancer, hence the headaches and his seeming a bit checked out. So once again, season one is is not pulling punches. Yeah, it is dark. We have a high schooler dealing with terminal illness, and that is no small thing. And it's not the last time we'll see it either. Yeah. Season two will bring us Buffy's friend Ford from LA, yeah. who is slowly losing his own battle with cancer. Yeah, it's so it's so sad. 
The cancer makes Morgan's brain useless to the demon, which means they still need a healthy, intelligent brain. And so we'll be looking for the smartest person in school. Okay, so they said that the demon needs a heart and a brain. But like, why does the demon need an intelligent brain? I would think he could eat like, because does he eat the brain? Or does the demon have to replace those organs? Which organs they I always see uh, you you see in a lot of supernatural things where you need healthy they need healthy organs so if the dancer had heart a heart condition he would have rejected the heart so like I oh you always see that where the organs need to be healthy and yeah I don't know <laughs> no like I got the healthy thing I got why yeah. he couldn't use Morgan's brain yeah but they're like he needs an intelligent brain I'm like doesn't he just need a not I guess they consume the I don't know I'm trying to think too deep but into I guess this like too. their idea is that the intelligent person would have like the healthiest the healthiest brain yeah just like Emily apparently danced and ran track so yeah, obviously so she, had a- she had a very healthy Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm again I'm guessing they're just using that as like these are top notch organs. And it also sets up for the upcoming scenes. So Yeah. yeah. The demon's gonna be looking for the smartest person in school. Xander jokes that he knows he's safe, while Buffy finds herself looking at Willow, which Willow doesn't get. What would the demon want with her? To demonstrate, Xander asks her some impossible math problem, which is probably only impossible to me, but whatever. <laughs> and she immediately and she immediately answers. Oh. I should ask Kevin that. Let's see if uh, Mr. Froggy, Mr. Froggy, Mr. Froggy to see if he can do it. <laughs> it's fine. As long as Willow is with them, she's safe. But is Giles? He's currently showing off just how smart he is by helping Mark with his weight counterweight problem. To which Mark remarks that he is really smart. He then asks if Giles will fill in for his assistant who is out sick and help with the guillotine trick. The guillotine we just saw slice a melon in half. (laughs) Giles... No. No. Run. No, Giles. This is very not safe. We've already seen that he is not a good magician. Yeah, no. Even if he wasn't a demon, I would not trust this. Yeah, I know. No, no, no. There is a liability here. Waivers have not been signed. Back in the library, Buffy hates the idea of waiting for the demon to find that. They need to go find him. Only it could be anyone. They ruled out the kids in the talent show, though. Only that was before they found the brain. So the chances are it is someone in the talent show and that Giles is with them all. But that's okay because Giles is really, oh God. Buffy takes <laughs> off from the library as she shouts Giles' name. And who do we see in the background? But a Sunnydale High janitor. We talk a lot on the show about the random staff yeah. and faculty of this school and what they must think. So it is nice to see a random Sunnydale High employee yeah. standing there looking like he's trying to figure out why What's this going- girl is all riled up. Yeah, yeah, no, that's... Because you always wonder like we know that Snyder knows what's going on but like you always wonder about the rest of the adults yeah (laughs) Giles is being strapped into the guillotine curious as to why it's not being placed at his neck well Mark says simple this way his scalp gets cut off and his brains just come pouring out (laughs) convenient when Giles asks exactly what the trick is Mark just asks trick before grabbing a hatchet and going to cut the rope. Why does no one listen when I tell them these situations are not safe? I know. So much would be solved if they just listened to us. Really? I really would. Just as Mark is about to make the final chop, Buffy appears and slams into him, leading the two to start fighting. He hits him and some of his demon appearance is revealed, which makes Buffy go, Yeah. 
Meanwhile, Xander and Willow are working on freeing Giles, Xander keeping the blade from slicing his head open, while Willow searches for a way to unlock the restraints. Turns out, Mark has the keys. Xander kicks Willow the axe, and she begins hacking away at the lock. Buffy kicks Mark into his magic cabinet. As Buffy looks for a way to lock it, Mark punches his way out of it, now a full-on demon. And this is what you were saying about scenes in the credits, because that one, you can't coming through the is one of the scenes from the credits. Yeah, yep. He pushes Buffy up against a wall, trying to strangle her, but Sid comes in with the assist, attacking the demon from behind with a knife. Willow frees Giles, who sits up and undoes the restraints from around his ankles, moving out of the way, just about the time Buffy manages to throw the demon towards the guillotine. He lands on the machine, and Buffy tells Xander to let go of the blade, effectively decapitating him. Willow looks away as Giles says, their timing is impeccable. (laughs) It's not enough, though. Decapitating him won't do it. Sid tells them this as he approaches the body with a knife. Unless they get the heart, he'll come back. But get the heart and it's all over. Buffy offers to do it, but Sid says, no, he's got this. He's waited a long time for it after all. Plunging the knife into the heart of the demon, Sid collapses, his soul now free. Watching Sid, watching this ventriloquist dummy stabbing the demon was kind of funny. Like, it was so ridiculous. It was was super ridiculous. Everything about it. And then, you know, everything about the ending here. Oh, I love everything about the ending. I love it. And Giles keeps patting his head to make sure it's still there. For a moment, the group is silent, and then Buffy picks up the dummy, gingerly carrying him towards the offstage area, remarking that it's over. Only it's not. It's just beginning. As the curtain goes up, and their little pastiche is exposed to the crowd. They all just stare at the audience. As Snyder remarks, he doesn't get it. Is it avant-garde? And there ends the episode. Or would end the episode if this wasn't the only... Buffy episode to include a credit scene. As the end credits roll, we get to see the Scoobies perform a scene from Oedipus Rex. (laughs) Xander playing Oedipus, Buffy playing Jocasta, and Willow playing the Priest of Zeus. This scene ends with Willow running from the stage. (laughs) Like Xander, Yelling red rum, Willow's running off the stage was not scripted and was an addition made by Allison. That was perfect. So using Buffy's lines, I tried to pinpoint what scene this was they were performing. But the lines Xander speaks as Oedipus are nowhere near Jocasta's O Oedipus unhappy Oedipus speech. So I think they mashed together a few scenes. Yeah, yeah. And apparently the network originally asked for this scene to be removed. I, I read that, yeah. I mean, (laughs) okay, but the best part is what the network said, because the network said, saying that while they recognize it's Shakespeare, did he really have to talk about sleeping with his (laughs) mother? mother. (laughs) Oedipus Rex was not written by Shakespeare. Nope. It was written by Sophocles about 2000 years before Shakespeare was born. Yep. So I love that the network execs they just like they don't know who wrote the play. Yeah, they don't even realize what they were objecting to. Like <laughs> But because of this request, the scene was absent from all repeated airings until the show left the W. You know what? For the longest time I thought I imagined this scene. Yeah, because it was only on the first airing. Because I remembered it from the first airing, and then you never saw it again because of that. So I thought I imagined it. 
I'm like I was pretty sure that there was a scene where they performed part of a play and yeah it, yeah until <laughs> so until the end of season five yeah except well whenever the first season DVD came out and then the end of season five because it was restored in the DVDs and in the airing since it left WB yeah. so once it was on UPN and once FX picked up the syndication the end scene was restored yeah so as a final fun fact Sid also appears in the Buffy video game Chaos Bleeds as a playable character. The story behind his appearance being that after his soul was freed in this episode, the first stole it and placed it in another dummy identical to the one he was first trapped in. For him to be truly free, the first must be defeated. I do have Chaos Bleeds along with the other Buffy video game Mm -hmm. and so we will eventually do an episode on them. Probably once I figure out how to do more technological things with playing video games and broadcasting. We may oh. have to do that one as like a YouTube one. Yeah, I'm going to talk to your husband. I, yeah, I, I, was got, just gonna... I got a lot of stuff I got to talk to your husband about. Yeah, yeah, wise. yeah. Mr. Mr. Froggy is the one to talk to about all that kind of stuff. And yeah. <laughs> Yes, he will. He will be. He will be being called on for his his technical skills. I am sure. You could even you could even do it on Twitch or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I wanna I wanna try to figure out how to do that or um like set up a YouTube yeah. video or something because I know like something with the video game we need to do something a little bit more visual and um and I want I want to do some more visual stuff now that we're getting to the point where we can see people again. I want to do like a playthrough of the Buffy board game. I want to yeah. do some stuff with the video game. So I, I do want to do some more visual stuff hopefully in the coming months um if not by the end of this season maybe when we start picking up season 2 we'll have some visual content to put out, but it is it is something I want to do. I want to explore. So yeah. yes, I will I will be talking to Mr. Frog a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and he loves helping out with stuff like that. He he's he he loves having he his does. brain picked. He is a good Mr. Frog. He is. And so now we're done. Uh any last thoughts, feelings, pre-talent show pep talks? Um, you know what? Like and and I I when I was also looking at at the uh Wikipedia and stuff for this, like I saw that this was the lowest rated up um lowest ratings of the season so i am confused by that because the wikipedia says it is but my slayer stats book actually says teachers uh not teachers pet says i robot eugene is because i robot eugene has a nielsen rating of 2.5 and this has a nielsen rating of 2.6 so maybe it's just so because it's so close that yeah like yeah but it's like it's I mean, I know I give it a lot of crap because of the dummy, but it is a delightful episode. It's so good. And I do love the way that it plays out where Sid and Buffy both think that the other is the evil and then they come together to to fight it at the end. But yeah, like all of season one, like it just has so many good moments and a lot of building for these characters. So I, yeah, it's a delightful episode. Plus that ending with the three of them doing terrible acting on purpose and Willow running away at the end is so good. <laughs> well, that's just about it for this week. Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next week when we take on season one, episode 10, Nightmares. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.